Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. Um, today we kind of have like a, I'm calling it like a tech Christmas stocking. We've got some stocking stuffers. There's no right. like huge news out right now. It's We always see this at the end of Q4 pretty much. Like everyone who's wanted a big item out probably has it already because they need it out for Christmas. Everything had to be on the shelf by yeah. two weeks ago. Exactly. Or like pre-ordered or anything. So like we just have kind of a bunch of different fun little stories. I've got a new smartphone phone camera i've got a youtube lawsuit i've got uh we and we're gonna wrap it up with our spotify wrapped also i like your sweater thanks you too are you if, are you listening to the audio version or watching the youtube version because if you're watching the youtube version you should check out uh how similar our ugly christmas sweaters are yeah. right now just in color we just, made we said we were gonna go christmas sweaters for this episode um when I put it on, I because I'd seen yours already because the it Microsoft came into the one, it's so good. Yeah. I the Microsoft kills it with these ugly sweaters every year. G- give us a little stand up. Give us a there's a the drip, drip show fashion drip. I don't don't know what the kids call it. It's just minesweeper. It's a it's a Christmas tree shaped minesweeper. Yeah, it's awesome. And they had the old Windows ninety five one a few years ago. That was awesome. But like that one, you posted this, and there's something um <laughs> wrong, right? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know how to play Minesweeper until like high school. And then I realized it was kind of a fun game. But also the numbers are supposed to indicate how many bombs are touching it. Yep. And there's a one right at the top of the tree with two bombs touching it. What? This was made by Microsoft. How did they get that wrong? So I don't know. It's a little Easter egg maybe. I I have two questions going off that. One is, is Minesweeper still on Windows? Actually, I'm on Windows laptop right now. Yeah, you can check. Uh, It's not on Mac. No, it looks you like you can't game on. Max. No, it searches for it. Oh man, yeah. No more, no more default Minesweeper. That's kind of sad. Solitaire is the only thing that matters. I mean, yeah, I was a big oh. Solitaire fan. My grandpa taught me how to play that. I also Same. didn't learn uh, Minesweeper for a long time. But like, do people know what Minesweeper is? Is that kind of not like the younger generation probably doesn't know what it is? I think pinball is where most of us had the most Space fun Cadet. in Windows yeah. 95. That was a good uh, one. That was like XP, I think. I had it on XP, right? Yeah. Exactly. That was a good one. That was really good. Might I feel like old. these just don't come with like standard games anymore. I might be totally wrong on that, but I'm looking. No, it's it's got like Candy Crush and stuff like that. Kids these days, they don't oh, know. There is solid. Okay, there's solid there. Okay. We're good. We're good, right. Windows. Good job. Uh, mine is a R2-D2. Yep. Covered, Very nice. covered in Christmas lights with a little X-Wing up here. But Very yeah, nice. the blues are like almost exactly the same. Oh, wow. Very, very yeah. similar. So we could say we matched. Yeah, there we go. We did. Good job. The thumbnail is going to be pretty sick for this episode. Nice. Um, all right, cool. Right off the top, new EV. And you looked at the document and we're like, there's a new EV? And mm-hmm. it's a little different. It's it's still an electric vehicle. Okay. This isn't a car. Did I haven't go, clicked it yet. So I, click the link. Okay, I'll click the link right now. Let's see what shows up. Twitter link. Yeah. And this is a tweet from now this. A Swedish startup has designed the Jetson 1, a personal electric vehicle that's sold to anyone that can own it and fly it. Oh, it looks like one of those personal drones that you can drive around in. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's electric? It's electric. I mean, like, 
I think you described I was I was watching this and trying to figure out how to describe it because we've seen a lot oh, of I easily just picture DJI's FPV drone, mm-hmm. but take the front of it and blow it up to human size and put a person inside. So exactly. it's like a quadcopter inside with a person inside of an FPV drone. Yeah, it's like a it's a cage pretty much. Yeah, rather than like where the battery goes, the person goes there in a little cage. It has it actually has eight propellers, but it's like two on each arm, so it oh, looks see. like four. Um, it has eight motors, and yeah, it's basically just like a drone. It looks, it looks totally wild. It looks super dangerous. Yeah, it, I'm, that's uh, what I'm saying. So in right? this video, they're piloting around like an empty desert, sort of like grazing the sandy floor of a completely barren environment. That mm-hmm. is the only place I would feel comfortable with anyone ever having access to one of these. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not even like multiple people flying them, but just myself flying it would feel super... It it cuts to a shot of inside the cockpit, like a first-person view, and this guy's, like, knees are touching, his arms are, like... His elbows must be, like, against his body, and it's got a little cell phone on the side that's showing his, like, mile per hour. Wow. Um, It looks kind of... It looks so (laughs) cool, but this looks like it would be really fun in, like, a VR experience, maybe not with my body scraping against the floor when I I crash it. Yeah, I'm sure it's, you know... The fact that it is up for sale probably means a couple of things, and I'm hoping I'm right about this, but I'm mm-hmm. hoping it has passed some sort of crash safety. It has looks like it has a I'm roll sure cage, like you it, can yeah. you can hit the ground and stuff like that. But I just don't I already just don't trust people to drive well enough around me that if you give people Z axis freedom, yeah. they're gonna be doing wild stuff. So um yeah. I'm glad they're in like a barren desert and not around like buildings like yeah, Spider Man yeah. sweeping right. in between. There was one quick shot where he's kinda of, it looks like an abandoned building. He's kind of near. But um I one thing I did see on the website is it has like some emergency function where I think if your hands come loose or if you hit the emergency button, the there's like no bottom to this. There's no wheels till that it looks like it takes off of or really like it's pretty your butt basically hits the ground when you get to the bottom. But apparently it has an emergency hover mode. So, Mark. like, if you do that, you hover rather than I don't, skid across the ground. As okay. as someone who's crashed an FPV drone, yeah. I will never fly one of these because I obviously don't trust myself. Wait, where's obstacle avoidance? Yeah, this is like, when you put the FPV drone goggles on, you feel like you're already yeah. doing this. Like, you're flying around at 75 miles an hour, very close to objects you wouldn't ordinarily ordinarily get close to, but the stakes are so low, because if you crash, it's just the drone that crashes, yeah. and you take well, the goggles off, and you're fine. So this is uh, this is a little more adrenaline. There's th- he has a helmet on, so yeah, that yeah gives he's you an totally idea. safe. He's got a helmet on. Um, that is interesting. I've never seen an electric version of this, so that's cool. No, yeah, I think it's we've we've seen other stuff like this in the past. It's not super new, but it's usually these like huge, huge, like you know, it feels like four people can fit in it, but it's really just because there's so much room for the engines and everything like that, and it just seems like this even more somehow dangerous car that flies yeah it's a personal helicopter yeah basically this feels like a drone though which i just thought was really really cool like these these vehicles are destined to be recreational only forever right that's a good question that i'm don't know if i can answer that it's it's come up a couple of times so we were shooting retro tech talking about futurism and why we don't have flying cars yet and obviously talking about how the jetsons seem to have this like super safe flying car network and a bunch of movies have flying cars in them, but then Neil deGrasse Tyson's like, yeah, you can't give everyone a helicopter or it'll be incredibly yeah. loud and things will fall out of the sky all the time and that will be very dangerous. So anytime we see some of these, because I've seen videos like this before of like jump onto a drone and like fly around, seems fun, but seems like that has to be in a controlled like yeah. area in an environment where you know all the variables and there's restricted airspace and like people can do their thing and then take the helmet off and walk home. Yeah, I, I guess ultimately I'm sure I'm sure these people would like you to think that it would get to that or they would like to think that it will get to that point. But just like, I didn't even think what you said, like things flying out of the air, like people flick cigarette butts out of their car all the time. Imagine just like a cigarette butt coming from above you as yeah. you're like walking on the but street. But more than that though, that so what Neil was saying was like, when a car breaks down, <laughs> you just drift over to the side of the road, yeah. right? Or worse, you're in like the middle of the highway and people yeah. can get around you. Yeah. When a helicopter breaks down, that is a massive problem. Uh, if you give everyone helicopters and you've seen the way people drive, they're yeah. going to break down all the time and there's going to be people dropping out of the sky onto the ground. Are there people underneath? I don't yeah. know. So that's why mm. I 
immediately There's went too there. many people who can't maintenance their cars to be able to maintenance something like this and then it going horribly wrong in the air and yeah. falling down um, fun recreation though fun recreation yeah I, I mean yeah i would try it eventually but i would probably fly the fpv drone for like 30 more hours before i set foot in there the training for this should be flying an fpv drone with the same controls yeah i bet the controls are pretty similar i bet hmm. so all right i have another thing here um i think this is a YouTube story, so less tech-related, but like we're obviously a YouTube channel. We love the YouTube community. Um, if you're kind of like, I don't want to say an OG YouTuber, but five or six years ago, do you remember there's a big story from Philly D, um, H3H3, the H3H3 channel. They were going through a lawsuit um, where they were kind of fighting for fair use. It was yep. kind of like this big moment online where like everyone kind of banded together because... They reacted to a video, and the person who had that video issued a copyright strike. There's a whole big lawsuit about it, and the internet kind of got behind them to fund the lawsuit so we could kind of protect fair use. Right. It was a sort of early-in-its-time case mm -hmm. where if they just settled and got it over with, it would actually kind of set a precedent for exactly. others being able to sue YouTube channels to get things removed when they were perfectly fairly using things mm -hmm. under, under fair use copyright law. That's... How I interpreted it seems like it went well enough it did. that we successfully defended that. Exactly. Um, so there's there's another thing. It, it kind of feels full circle yeah. happening right now. Um, so I, I watch their podcast all the time. I think it's super entertaining. But it's they've gotten to a point where, um, if you remember the Jake Paul fight a few months ago, I believe it was, the Jake Against, Paul Ben something, the you know, the um, older MMA fighter. Yeah, uh, I thought you meant Nate Robinson. No, not Nate Robinson, although I do believe that one was run by the same company. Um, there's a company called Triller, who are the ones who are running these kind of like different fights. Triller Fight Club, Triller, I forget exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they, all these fights are pay-per-view. Ethan on his podcast, um, after one of them happened, about a week after it happened, showed a quick clip of it, did their commentary, you know, like I'm sure a million other channels did. Um, and then because of that, Triller is now suing them because they said that the pretty much the podcast got around a million views. This is a three hour podcast and maybe like five minutes of talking about this like clip or whatever, or showing the clip. Mm -hmm. uh, totally fair. It seems super, super obvious fair use. Right. Mm -hmm. And they have the precedent case from before four or five years ago. And they're getting sued now because they use this. They're claiming that since the podcast has a million views, that all of those views would have been pay-per-view oh, nice. views, which is like 50 bucks. And there's they were suing them for like, I forget what, it, a million times $50. So $50 million? That's... A wild, wild amount of money. Yeah. Um, and I think it hasn't really gotten that same, it felt full circle to me because I've seen that and then Philly D finally made a video on it, but it hasn't really gotten as much attention because I think their podcast channel is a bit smaller. Not as many people watch three-hour videos versus yeah. remember peak H three. It was kind of like huge, yeah, sh shorter, shorter videos, and then it kind of like blew up on the internet. So uh, this just feels like something that again is potentially attacking. It's not just attacking them. Like this is another case where if Triller goes through with this and and sets this precedent, then people can get sued for kind of reaction videos or using other clips and videos, and it's just. It feels like it should be a little bigger than uh, what the YouTube community sees it as right now. It feels like a, an attack on the YouTube community. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I think I just wanted to get a little more attention out there because it feels like fair use is kind of... Uh, yeah, the, the, the definition of fair use is always like a little bit squishy. Like it's it has yeah. to be transformative in some way and you can define that however you want. You can You have to use a certain small amount of it on different platforms, fair use is enforced in different amounts. So mm -hmm. on, on on YouTube, for example, if you use like a quarter of a second of copyrighted music, immediately that can be yeah. claimed, even if it's only a quarter of a second in a 40 minute video, it's used, it's not transformative, it's not used as commentary, they'll, they'll immediately flag it. Um, but there's different versions of this, like you mentioned, if you're, you're commentating on the fight while it's playing in the background versus just playing it for everyone to watch. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by like when a sport event is happening and I open up Instagram and I, I see like part of the highlight on Instagram, but whenever I see like a, a pay-per-view fight, they never show 
the knockout or the hit. Yeah. Do you notice this? Like whenever I love I on Instagram. I think everyone's scared of it, yeah. I think there's probably a rule around it where they're like, you can show the end of the fight and you can show the replay of him landing on the ground, but you can't show the hit that made him land on the ground because that will make people not want to watch. I think there's some rule attached. I, that sounds, that I mean, I don't know the exact specifics of it. Um, and like, I guess, again, you're like you're saying, there's all these nuances to fair use and, and yeah. stuff like that. And I wonder if sports do that. There's also like, there are people who just straight up stream these like live events and, and oh, yeah. such and just that. It's it. crazy. I mean, there's like those Twitch streamers that will do boxing matches where they'll green screen themselves on a controller so it looks like they're just playing a video game instead. Wow. I think um, I saw that with one of the first. Yeah, there's so many really, really bad examples of, of doing this. Um, it's funny that you mentioned music as well because I've always found it interesting. Twitch is having a huge, huge issue with that because a lot of these streamers are playing music when they're playing games or playing music when they're just like chatting on Twitch and it never seems to be a huge issue during it live but then like if that's in the VOD afterwards, the whole VOD will get taken down because they're worried they could get a copyright strike on it. Twitch is having a huge issue with that right now. Mm. Um, which another thing that's really cool is there's people like T-Pain out there who are now these big Twitch streamers and they're actively making music and letting their music be completely copyright free for Twitch streamers, like yeah. making it okay for that. I love musicians that have a good enough relationship with their label that they can pull strings like that mm -hmm. and make their stuff available. And shout out to T-Pain and those who are doing it right, because that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's um, awesome. Yeah, no, yeah, it's always it's always kind of murky on YouTube, but I'm I'm rooting for the H3 crew. Yeah, I'll, I'll post a couple of links. There's um, there's just some good information out there. I didn't want to get too too deep into it because I don't know if everybody's that into YouTube stuff here, but it um definitely worth a look. I also have a new smartphone. A totally totally different. No good segue here, but um, we saw this like. Did you see that Oppo smartphone, like, optical zoom yeah, camera thing? Yeah, I saw this video. Thing? Yeah. Okay. So I'll try to describe it. It's it's described in their caption as Oppo's retractable camera. That's why I was confused. So I'm not exactly sure if it's zoom or if it's okay. focus or what's happening. But what's happening in this video is imagine a camera bump where you have a square for one of the cameras. Mm -hmm. And that square moves out of the phone slightly. Yeah. So it moves out and moves back in, which is something that happens with a lot of larger lenses when you zoom, Yeah, but it doesn't say if it's for zoom or not. Yeah, and it also happens like, it looks exactly like that on like some of those point and shoot cameras that have a zoom where like you're not physically turning the lens. It's just like, it's automatically bringing the lens in and out and retracting in and out. Um, yeah. But I was just trying to figure out, yeah, what it was. You said might be focus. So there's two ways that I read this. One would be super cool. One would be kind of pointless. Okay. Which I'm one interested. should I do first? <laughs> um, do pointless first. So the kind of pointless one would be, I'm reading the side of this camera and it says oh, one wow. over 1.56 inch, 50 millimeter F2.4. That's one single focal length, 50 yeah. millimeters. So you know how we have these periscope lenses that are tilted into the side of the yep. phone and use mirrors mm -hmm. so that you have a deeper actual lens and then a mirror to just shoot out the side. Yeah. This could just be, this camera is useless until it protrudes out and then it protrudes straight out and it's that same mechanism, just not sideways in the phone. So, sing so single it's a focal single length, focal length only works when it's protruded. Only works when it's protruded. I didn't even think of that. Would be kind of pointless. Oh man, that's what it's gonna be, isn't it? <laughs> but the other version of this is this is a multiple focal length lens, yeah. and it's 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 switching between these focal lengths by zooming outside of the actual mm -hmm. phone. So maybe it goes from a twenty-four to a fifty, and so you you're at twenty-four. You realize you want to zoom in. You hit the button in the software. It protrudes out the back of the phone. Yeah, you just got optical zoom to two x forty-eight millimeters. That would be like a cool version of this technology. I don't know that that's what's happening. Though. Well, I don't know how I didn't think to read next to the lens. That makes me feel like kind of a moron, but um, that's what I was hoping for. Basically, I guess the benefit here, because you said we already have these periscope-like optical zooms, it would just be eliminating that mirror, right? Which is, because then you're just going straight from the lens out, yeah. which improves some sort of quality a bit. I mean, like- Potentially. Yeah, potentially. And that seems kind of cool. Um, do you recall any phones that have done this? I, there was that, what was that old phone that looked like a camera on the back? 
Oh, the Nokia Lumia 1020, I believe. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it had a yellow one, I think, back in the day. So this one, uh, it had, yeah, it had a bunch of moving parts. I think it had a, even an open and closed shutter. You know how a mirrorless camera yeah, will yeah, have yeah. a shutter that closes? Mm-hmm. It had that too. It had a big Xeon flash. It was, it was, it was pretty solid. It was a, it was a chunky phone, a Nokia uh, Windows phone. Um, but this one, you know, there's a lot of weird things that we see. Like Oppo is kind of like, I feel like the Samsung of China in a lot of ways. They just try stuff. Like they have the Find series. Or they're like, yeah. yeah, we'll just have the whole top of the phone move out of the phone and just protrude. Or we'll have like the Find X or whatever other weird design I things like they want to try. Them and Vivo seem to be kind of like paving the way. I don't know if that's the right word. They're trying all the fun experiments. Trying new stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think this would be really cool as long as it actually is benefiting. Like Zoom still, I think, is one of the hardest things to do on a smartphone camera. Do well, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, it pains me to like pinch the zoom on basically any camera. Something something I've noticed about these moving parts in smartphone cameras is they all seem to be workarounds that eventually die. Hmm. So you know how we had the motorized selfie camera pop up out of the top? Mm-hmm. For a minute, that was like the best we had, where it was like we've been shrinking the notch, we've been shrinking the teardrops, then we got hole punch, and then we got nothing, and it was just bezel to bezel, and we had the selfie camera pop out yeah. the top, and it was like, huh. A moving part in a smartphone. I don't know if that's good for water resistance or durability. You know, you drop the phone and it would retract based on sensing freefall, but eventually we move to selfie camera behind the display and that motorized things going away. Yeah, and that seems like the obvious way. I think we all knew retractable selfie cameras were uh, a band-aid. And yeah, they were going to go away. Uh, is this a, a zoom that protrudes out the back also going to be vestigial is it going to go away when we get like really good optics inside of phones is that so is the really good optics going to be that we've just like insanely improved digital enhancement when it comes to zooming or is that going like a super big sensor to where you can digitally zoom well or is that just going to be they can now slap so many different lenses on the back of a phone and a huge camera bump that you don't need optical you just have 10 different focal lengths. So I honestly think Sony might be onto something. Okay. So you remember the, I'm going to forget, I think it's the Xperia 5 Mark II maybe. Okay. There was a recent Sony phone where they have the periscope mechanism Mm -hmm. and they had a a lens move laterally inside Mm -hmm. of the periscope mechanism and that would change focal lengths. You could snap between, uh, it was something weird like 29 and 73 or whatever. I remember. But I don't think the mirror to do the periscope thing out the side loses that much quality at all. Like okay. that's what telescopes are. They're you're looking in one way and mirroring out the top. I think that's fine. Um, but I think if you're going to have a moving part for real optical zoom with multiple focal lengths inside of a camera, you got to do it with that sideways space because the phone's not thick enough to do it with that space unless yeah. you build unless this. Unless you do this, yeah. So. That's my gut reaction is like, I think Sony might be onto something if we build a really good channel through the side of the phone for a periscope zoom and we're able to work with like motors or magnets or whatever it is. Laterally. And zoom laterally. Okay. That seems like a good way to do it. So my, I have a question about this and it might be because of my lack of knowledge in cameras, but in that sense, could you compare kind of like this Oppo phone that's doing it vertically rather than laterally, like a regular DSLR to a mirrorless? Like you're just eliminating that one mirror, right? Mm, not quite the same thing. I mean, technically, yes, you're just eliminating one mirror. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like the mirror is sort of fine. Okay. I don't think it's it's changing the quality or or anything. I think that was actually a pretty great invention, just folding the whole lens sideways into the phone. Uh-huh. So I think we'll see more of that. Interesting. Okay, so we think this is just kind of if we're if we're taking a bet on this right now. I think on our way to on our way to real optical zoom in a smartphone, mm-hmm. we'll find something better than this. Okay, so now what if Oppo um combines this with their notification LED and the camera pops out every time and gives you notification LED. Then I want one. Then just credit card on the table. I want it. Do it. All right, cool. (laughs) I'm in. All right, well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Fairphone 4 and Pixel Watch. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Support for the show comes from Anthropic. Companies of all sizes are exploring use cases for AI and finding that it's not a one-size-fits-all game. It's all about finding the right balance between speed and intelligence. Like if you're powering a customer chat experience, you need instant speed at low cost. If you're doing complex R&D or advanced analysis, you need frontier intelligence. Claude 3 from Anthropic offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Claude 3 Opus is their largest and most powerful model that can handle complex tasks and analysis. Sonnet strikes the balance between information and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and most cost-effective model that can execute lightweight actions fast. Anthropic's dedicated to building AI systems that are reliable, interpretable, and steerable. Their multidisciplinary team of researchers, engineers, policy experts, and business leaders designed Claude to elevate the field of generative AI. See for yourself. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. All right, we're back. Let's talk about... Fairphone 4. Yes. So, I've wanted to make a video about the Fairphone actually for months, Mm -hmm. and it's hard to get one here in the U.S., so we've been in contact with Fairphone, like, hey, can we get one? Can we we try this thing out? Can we show this to the people? And they were finally able to get one to us. They only sell it in Europe. But the idea of the Fairphone is it is a wholly sustainable, recyclable, modular kind of smartphone, which is very unlike every other smartphone we talk about and that we mostly see on the shelves in 2021. So I thought it was really cool. And it it brought up a lot of different thoughts about like how smartphones are made, how materials are sourced, what the trade-offs are between like these really high-end phones we like, but then also the most average phone possible to be as sustainable as possible. What were your thoughts on it? Because we we published the video. It's out there now. What what did you think? Um, I've been reading a lot of the comments that we got on it and it it's kind of made me think. And then also, I feel like whenever I read comments, it's like, I think this, but then I also want to defend it for that. And, um, but so my initial thoughts were, obviously I love sustainability. I think it's great. I think it's really cool that you can pop the phone open and pull modules. Out. Like you at one point went to shoot um, and were gone for like 20 minutes in the top down set and you came back and you're like, I just took every single part out of the phone and put every single part back in and it works. Yeah, I've and never done like, that 20 before. 20 minutes, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. I watch Zach's videos. He'll take a phone apart. He'll like take up ribbon cables and like pop things out. Yeah. And then he'll put a phone back together and turn it back on. And I'm like, I, you I've never like actually, I've that. never actually done that. Like I yeah. could, but I don't have the glue to put the screen back on. Like I don't have that ability most no. of the time in a phone. That's the first time I've ever actually done that. And it's like, it's super easy on the inside because all the pieces are labeled as well. Yep. Or like they have like, you know, a little icon to show what the labels are. So I think that's really, really neat. Um, and so it's, what they want to do essentially is be able to have those parts. So if anything breaks, you can just order the part online, replace it yourself. You're going to keep your phone for longer now. Mm-hmm. And they do want you to upgrade it, correct? Like through the years, this is the part that I feel like I can't tell if it's something they're touting or is this something we're all just kind of assuming okay. it's happening? Okay. The, this, the upgradable part, I think is a little bit more of a pipe dream. Okay. So we've had Fairphone 1, 2, 3, and 4. Fairphone 4, phone 3 even at a certain point, we were like, hey, maybe you can use the same brain for a while mm-hmm. and just upgrade the camera and upgrade the the port and upgrade the battery. But typically, those types of puzzle pieces don't fit. They're not the same size. Yeah, okay. It's not like you have a motherboard and a bunch of parts in a PC case with lots of room to play with. Like These are small little things that fit in your pocket. So you know, I was going to sort of bring up Project Aura at some point in this video yeah. as like the ultimate dream, like I'll just pop off the CPU yep. and put a new one on, but like that's I, kind of not how smartphones are. So it's mostly spare parts. It's okay. mostly like if you damage it, if you break something, you can replace just that part and it's easy and you can do it yourself and it's kind of cheap. Yeah, I, I think that's what I was the most, my my main thought coming out of that and a lot of comments I saw were people saying, what you're missing here is that there's the upgradability of this. And my initial thought to that was, I don't see, like, 
upgrading all these parts, all these specs are different. All these phones can upgrade crazy, like crazy because there are these intricate pieces that are all manufactured for everything to fit together. And if the Fairphone ever wanted to upgrade, it would have to meet the exact specifications of what the previous models were. Right. So my, I said this near the end of the video, definitely watch the whole video if you can. Mm -hmm. But the most interesting that I found, the most interesting thing that I found yeah. is that Fairphone essentially acknowledges like, okay, we're not designing all of our own parts here. We don't mm -hmm. design the display. We don't make our own silicon. So we are sourcing parts to put this together. And we're trying to source everything responsibly. But in order to satisfy this promise of having spare parts available for five years, which is an amazing promise, yeah. they need to find parts that they will have access to for five years. And they need to make relationships with suppliers that they can maintain for five years. So if you're looking for the most bleeding edge, cutting edge, amazing smartphone with the highest end or the most unique different parts, you probably won't have five years of, of stock of that available. That's yeah. a low volume type of part. Mm -hmm. So they literally said like, we made this a 6.3 inch smartphone because it's an average size. So we can get this screen. It's an average size screen. All the average size pieces inside are all like fairly standard. It's a Snapdragon 750G, I believe, six or eight gigs of RAM. All the stuff in the phone is by design as average as possible. Okay. And so, you know, sometimes you hear like, oh, well, this this phone's just the same thing as last year, but a little better. It's like, that's actually probably great. <laughs> that's kind of what you're looking for here. Um, so yeah, Fairphone, I think Fairphone's basic goal is to prove that there can be better behavior by all the other big companies as far as sustainability goes and okay. recyclability. They use recycled plastics. They used uh, responsibly mined metals like aluminum and lithium and things like that. Lo I love all that. Yeah. All of that is phenomenal. It's also more expensive, obviously. Yeah, of course. <laughs> because treating people correctly is more expensive than like labor. I mean, that and when you're a smaller company too, you like don't have the headroom like that Apple can get discounts on on certain things, or Apple can just yeah. like eat profits a little harder to make something a little cheaper. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't think Apple's making anything cheaper. But. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if any company can pull off a really good, reasonably priced, sustainable phone, it's the bigger ones. Yeah. Because they have the volume and the scale to be able to go, hey, we want to go to a supplier that does it right and give them a huge order rather than just, like, doing it the standard way that's not so great. Yeah. So. I think my two big takeaways from this are, if that's the way they want to go, not so much, basically no upgradability, but all just, like, you know, the replacement parts for so long, I feel like it needs to be a little more competitive spec-wise. Um, and maybe that's just, you know, that could totally be us working in this environment where we get to see the most bleeding-edge phones all the time. And it's like true, though. The majority of people in the world have, uh, you know, a lower-spec phone. But it does seem, it seems low-spec for kind of last year almost. Well, so... Yeah, it's it's it is low spec. It yeah. is it is behind on so it's about five hundred eighty euros. Which if you go to the U, it's like six hundred fifty dollars roughly. Mm -hmm. If we just go with that, then I compare it to the Pixel Six, yeah. which is about six hundred bucks, and it loses to the Pixel in everything. Yeah. It has a smaller, lower resolution, not as bright, not as high refresh rate display that has way more bezel. Frankly, um, it has a smaller battery. It has no wireless charging. It has lesser water resistance. Like if you just go down the list, you're yeah. sacrificing a lot to get the sustainable part. And that has to be what you value in a phone to pick that over the Pixel mm -hmm. 6. Most people, as much as we say we want the sustainability, if you gave them the choice and you gave them $650, they would pick the better phone. Yeah, And that's just going to keep happening. So I think Fairphone's not out here trying to take market share from Google. They're just out here trying to prove like this is a real thing we can do. It's like a it's like a proof of concept, it feels like. Yeah, I think and then my other kind of like thought on this though, and in in that scenario, you have six hundred and fifty dollars. Do you think the majority of people would go for this phone because it's sustainable? Or would it almost be more sustainable to buy the best phone you can for that money that you think will have five years of updates and you just keep that phone? I think yeah. that's the biggest thing that, here where I see like, will this phone sell or would it make more sense to me to get a Pixel 6 and keep it for five years? Yeah. So the most sustainable thing you can do is not buy a phone. Mm -hmm. The second most sustainable thing you can do is to get a phone that you can use as long as possible. And so the idea with the Fairphone is 
if you wanna use this as long as possible, great, five years of parts, but you won't be upgrading it for those whole five yeah. years. You'll just be replacing anything that breaks for those five years. Whereas if you have a Pixel, in theory, you take good care of it, nothing breaks, you don't True. have to do okay. any of these replacements, but it lasts the whole five years and then you get a new phone. That's the difference in approach. Okay, so if you're in that bucket kind of, your thought process is, I'm super safe and I want the best specs possible or I'm kind of, I'm pretty clumsy and I want to keep this phone for five years so this is the better deal for me because I can replace the screen when I drop yeah. it on the ground. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. kind of like that. Um, but even even on top of all that, it's all the material stuff that's like, if I, you yeah, want I love that. Sustainably minimize. sourced, like I think that's all cool. I hope it pushes some of these things. I think just my biggest thing is they have to make some some splash to make any of these phone companies that are making trillions of dollars to move the needle at all. Mm -hmm. um, I hope they do. Yeah. Uh, like I would obviously love them. I love, I my favorite part of this video, honestly, is that we'll be adding sustainability scores into our reviews now. Yeah, um, that feels like th the best I can do. Like I, I yeah. agree with you, like Fairphone has to make some sort of splash, not even Fairphone. There has to be some incentive for a, a company like Samsung, Huawei, Google, Motorola, whatever, to change something like that in yeah. one of their phones. Because objectively, they will make less money, they will spend more, it will be a disadvantage for them to move to more sustainable sources for stuff. Yeah. So we need some reason for them to make that sacrifice. So I figure the best I can do is literally reward them for making that sacrifice yeah, by exactly. highlighting it and sharing when there are sustainable things changed about the way they do things. So, just, you know, Fairphone's not perfect, but they've done a lot of cool stuff. Uh, David and I pointed out uh, there was no charger in the box in the Fairphone. There was no headphone jack in the Fairphone. The Fairphone got a 10 out of 10 for repairability, but the wireless earphones that they made got a 1 out of 10 for repairability. wireless earphones? I think they sold wireless earphones alongside the last Fairphone, so nothing's perfect. No, I think yeah. the, the joke in my video is like, all right, well, are all the computers they use to design yeah. the Fairphone There's sustainable? There's always, always that. So, you know, you can recycle their phone, and they're, they're pledging as a company to be net e-waste neutral. But, yeah, I think generally the Fairphone represents, like, a proof of real change that can be successfully implemented and shipped. I give them infinite credit for trying to do this. I cannot applaud them enough in doing this and trying to move the needle, and I honestly wish them all the best in this because I think it's really cool and I think it's really important. Speaking of wishing them all the best, I wish Google all the best at making a Pixel Watch. <laughs> That's Don't the best all? segue I can come up yeah, with. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I added Pixel Watch in here. We're seeing rumors again of it potentially coming in 2022. Mm -hmm. What I kind of found the funniest here is the minute I started reading an article about this, the opening line was like, the original rumors for this were um, that it was going to come out alongside the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL. So we've been hoping for this for a little while. Yep. Um, so let's take rumors with a grain of salt. But there is one big thing here that, makes this Pixel Watch a little more believable, and that is in 2021, Google acquired Fitbit. Obviously, a right. huge company that makes sport watches. Okay. So I guess we're just hoping a little more. I mean, they acquired them in the beginning of 2021. It's probably a little quick, especially with supply chain issues, to get it out by the end of 2021. Next year seems much, much more reasonable. They did a little work with uh, Samsung working on kind of like a collaborative watch this year. Mm -hmm. But I just want to talk kind of and like do, before when i mentioned this both of you guys said you wanted an app, a pixel watch i think yeah. it's a, a lot of people want a pixel watch i want a pixel watch i want why? here's what i want yeah why okay so why? i so the apple watch it's kind of like wanting an apple watch for android so back in the day i remember um i don't know what year but i went to google io and there was a moto 360 and the moto 360 was like Honestly, today might still be my favorite smartwatch to wear, just as okay. far as like design. It looked sick. Everyone hated on the flat tire. I thought it was cool. I love. I love the, the flat tire. I love yeah. that thing. So Moto 360 was great. Um, it plugged into Android, kind of okay, and then slowly we saw Wear OS get like worse and worse. And then essentially, we don't really get good Wear OS watches anymore. And so this question of, well, what if Google made a pixel watch to set set the bar so mm -hmm. we all can like get good android smartwatches again um and there's other there's like you know samsung has their line huawei's got their watch OnePlus. OnePlus has a watch <laughs> they have a watch but i don't have a apple watch for android premium type 
all of the features mm -hmm. optimized, great display, battery life on par, like all that stuff. I don't have that option and I want one. So I want to remain like cautiously optimistic on the long term. It's, it kind of feels like when we were expecting a really good Pixel phone with like a premium design as soon as they bought HTC. Oh, yeah. That... And it didn't, it wasn't right away. Like yeah. it's not going to be right away. So I think, you know, maybe in like two to three years, we, we can expect like a nice Pixel watch with like a, a little tensor chip inside and a nice screen. But I don't think that's anytime soon. No, yeah. If it comes out in 2022, I'm like excited for it, but I don't see it specifically take. I mean, any watch that comes out will have years to go until it reaches Apple Watch level because not just is Apple Watch so good and so like meshed in with its entire ecosystem, but the user base on it is crazy. And it seems like so many things people do on the Apple Watch are things like contests or things like all those different achievements that you're sharing with other people or communicating with other people. So it has the user base, which is just something it will have over any Android watch for years and years to come. Even even the hardware, I think. Yeah. The Apple Watch's hardware is genuinely really impressive. The haptics on it, I like I said, it's it's my alarm clock. I woke up this morning to like a tap on my wrist yeah. instead of like a loud sound. I hate wearing a watch at night, but I love not having an alarm clock because it yeah. just that's all it is. So the well, haptics when Tesla are amazing. Comes out, he can just tap you on the shoulder. Oh Jesus Christ, that would be <laughs> horrifying. That's <laughs> like imagine the sleep paralysis of like a Tesla bot like this. Um, it's the screen. It's great. It's the pressure yeah. sensitivity. The battery life is fine. It's like a day and change, maybe a day and I a still, half. I'm still surprised at how bad the battery. I would consider that bad when you look at stuff like. I mean, I guess I'm mostly looking at hiking watches like Garmin, and it's their battery about, life is fantastic. Right. I think it's about equivalent functionality and size. Like a hiking watch does what three things, four things. It's tracking. It tries to do plenty of things. It tries I to do some stuff, but it's definitely larger, and it's giving you really good like location, altitude, yeah. and maybe one or two other things. Right. This watch, this Apple Watch, is like connected to your phone twenty four seven, delivering you notifications, changing. It's potentially uh, not just Wi Fi connected, but cellular connected yeah. too. It's got obviously the haptics going in. It's it's connected to a bunch of apps. It's got local memory. It's streaming music. It's got a speaker. It's got Siri. It's got all this stuff, and it's much smaller. And so I yeah. I'm fine with it lasting comfortably over a day because that means at the end of every day I find some time to plug it in and I'm good. But I'm not complaining. But if we get longer battery life, that's great with me. I just don't know how quickly a Pixel Watch can go from not existing to matching the Apple Watch. I want to be optimistic, but it's going to be a They've little bit. Definitely got that head start if Fitbit's going to be working on a bit. But I guess you also use the example of HTC coming in and not yeah. quite nailing it. Um, yeah, I mean, first I would like it to be circular because I think the Square Apple Watch is dumb. You bring up haptics, and that is literally the first thing I noticed when I put an Apple Watch on when we used to do our contest. Is I would just scroll on it because it's so so good. It makes no sense how good that it's is. It's really good. Um, and yeah, the contests and stuff, I still, someone needs to make some sort of app where you can do Apple competitions or just watch competitions between everybody because ultimately it's it's all recording kind of the same thing. Heart rate, yeah. is, it's pretty much all it's mostly doing. Heart rate and time and distance with through GPS and make some arbitrary score like Apple does in a different contest and that would be awesome. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think this 2022, maybe we'll see it. Will we see it take off in 2022? Probably not. Um, but Adam, is there anything specifically you want out of a Pixel Watch that you don't see out of any other watches? I just want better Google Fit because I think Apple Health is probably the reason why the Apple Watch is so dominant. That's a good point. And Google Fit is very cartoony and cute, but it doesn't really give me any information that's useful. Yeah. Like what's a heart point? Yeah, it's like, it's like <laughs> nice and built in and like great clean UI but doesn't really tell That's, me anything useful mm -hmm. this might sound dumb I just don't know but do other like does Fitbit and stuff work into Google Fit or yeah it does you can right? Connect okay. right in. and that will is it still just heart points then what the what is going yeah. on I just how do I I, don't I think they, these companies do some they of these all things. have some sort of algorithm to convert the data they're measuring into points because they all like gamifying it. Yeah, no, I'm all for that. I'm all for which points. I love. It, it's great. It's making people want to work out. It has made me want to work out. Yeah. Um, but there should just be some actual real info in there. Like, 
do you think all these doctors now know like what these points mean? Because how many doctors do you think are going in? It's like, oh, how often do you exercise? Like, I average 79 heart points per day. And yeah. the doctor's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think a doctor is interested in how many points you got. But Which is it's, a shame. It could help so much. Yeah. No, the Apple Watch, you're right. Like, Apple Health is extremely detailed. It's not even detailed. It just measures so many different things, mm-hmm. whether it's, like, resting heart rate. I got a – maybe I should go to a doctor. I got a low heart rate notification while I was sleeping because my heart rate went under 40 BPM for more than five minutes in a row. Huh. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know that happened when I was asleep, but now I know. It measures your blood oxygen. It measures, like, obviously your accelerometer stuff, but, like, if you're running around, like, how fast how fast you're going, if you're doing a bike ride, how many miles you cover, uh, what your altitude is if you're doing a hike, elevation change during a run. All this stuff is just, it's constantly measuring all types of info. As, yeah. a, as a numbers person, I'm into it. I would really like to see one of these smartwatch companies partner or license what Whoop is doing because... I, I used Whoop for a little bit. Their numbers are just out of this world. They're so detailed. They're so intense. It, mm. It's like tells you your recovery rates and based on everything, it's awesome. But it just, it's a watch that doesn't show time or anything like that. And that still makes me upset. Yeah. Um, yeah, I but, like the idea of like, oh, and I'll end it after this. I just like sure. the idea of no, one fine. big, like general smartwatch that gives you like, Here's how long you slept. Here's how many miles you walked. But then, like, if you can wear a Whoop for your workout and then have that info dump into the same Google Fit or Apple Health or whatever, then I'd be very happy. I, if it was an app in a watch, I, I don't know if their sensors are anything much different. So imagine you just have the Whoop app in your watch True. and then it just dumps and you don't have to wear another thing. That would like be that. even better. Do it. Whoop. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Spotify wrapped and driving while playing games. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. Team up. Fight on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Marquez, did you know you can now play video games while driving your Tesla? Oh, like the ones on the screen? Yep. 
Not really. Uh, really. Well, my question would be which games? Uh, I don't have the exact. I know Solitaire is one of them. Oh, that's not Um, that bad. I guess that's not not, that bad. (laughs) Well, it's not good. Okay, because there's a well, there's a game that involves you turning the wheel to control the game. So Uh, if it was that game, okay, it's not as bad as that. I guess, but you should still probably pay attention to the road when you're driving. (laughs) Um, Okay, so there was a over there software update that now. I still can't tell if this is a bug because it doesn't seem like there's an announcement, but a select amount of games on the screen mm-hmm. now are offered while you're driving. It can't be a bug, though, because it, it when you click them, it does pop up the thing that says, I'm a passenger. Okay. So you have to hit that button. So this the headline for this article, if you saw it going around, is kind of deceiving, a little clickbaity, because you're, it obviously does not want you to play them while you, right. the driver, are driving. Right. Um, but it's still kind of feels like a big deal because how if you're if you're willing to play a game while you're driving you're probably willing to press a button that says i'm the passenger and is then, there there should be like a sensor and it should use the seat sensor exactly exactly what i've thought because when you're driving so here's the thing about the games in the car i think they are one of the most overrated things about teslas i don't think anyone yeah. really actually plays the games or cares i think people's children when they have to like wait to pick up their brother at school or something is probably your best and like you said i don't think that's a very good yeah because people people who have teslas give their kids like an ipad probably or a switch or something yeah like like those kids are fine and the screen you can't even reach from a car seat so like down there like half the time i you know it's cool it's a gaming the fact that you can say like you can play what do they say cyberpunk in the back of the the tesla i guess they want you to do it when you're like charging, maybe. Right. So that would yeah. be the the one time what I would where I would ever consider gaming on my car. The screen in the front was, was like kind of tilted towards me a little bit, so that would be the yeah. perfect time. And I still don't do it. Like I have my yeah. phone hooked up via Bluetooth, and I uh-huh. watch videos on my phone that play that through play the car through instead of just using. You don't the even screen. watch it on the screen. I don't even watch videos on the screen. Wait, I have a question now. That's not. Um, you said there's a game where you steer with the wheel. Yeah, it's have a driving you, game. Have you ever been in the charging station? You see someone park charging, just like whipping no, the it, wheel around. Like if you do, like it moves the wheel a little bit. Like the huh. the tires on the ground. Oh, the tires the, move. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't like disengage it. It's it slightly moves the tires on the ground. Oh, I that is now my my goal is I want to be like at a Tesla charging center, just watching someone I, go wild. It's happening it. out there somewhere. Somebody out there is listening to this podcast and playing that game <laughs> while charging their car. And for that one person, I salute you, sir. Yeah, tweet us your high score for that. Yeah, while you're doing it. But uh, no, I, I I honestly think the games in the car are like a a cool like gimmick feature where they can put it's a cool headline. Yeah, like you sure. have this ten teraflops of power, but really like it's a cool side effect of having a lot of computing power in the car for self-driving. Yeah. So the fact that you can, like, I don't I don't know that I'll ever be driving someone around and they'll be like, hey, can I play solitaire on that screen while you drive? It's like, no, I'm navigating. I need that. Yeah, that's the thing <laughs> is it's like the main screen too that people use for driving functions all the time. It yeah. seems like a weird... Model 3 has no other screen. Why would you do that to yourself? You can't yeah. even... Does the speedometer disappear while you're playing oh, yeah. a game? I don't think that's a good idea. I want to turn my wipers on. Hold on. I'm almost done with this level. (laughs) Um, And and just to be fair to Tesla also here is like there are a thousand other cars that have like when you try and enter navigation, you have to click that button that says I'm a passenger. Mm -hmm. Ways. Yeah, everyone everyone disregards it. Don't disregard it. I'm not telling you to go out and do that. Please, anyone here, do not play games. Why? Even if your car is in full self-driving or whatever, pay attention to the road, please. But it just felt like kind of a... A fun, uh, fun yeah. headline. Yeah, I feel like the the world of Tesla news is a lot of deciphering like how much of a headline is just for the headline versus like actual implications for real life. You know what? If it gives us a couple things to talk about on yeah, the podcast, yeah, this I'm is one of those it, things like we we like break it down and realize that, like oh, it probably won't matter too much. It, it's fun sometimes too because when you break it down, people who don't drive Tesla like. Every time one of these headlines come up, I feel like I learned something new about your experience in one. Fair, yeah. I think there's also probably like parents like reading these headlines like, oh, wow, people are like driving games while autopiloting in their Teslas. What a dangerous concept where it's like, that's eh, probably not it's actually that not, big a deal. Yeah, no. But at least now we know. Yeah. Uh, we want to we give you guys a shout out for listening to the podcast at yeah. the end here. So it's December. It's that type of wrap-up season we're looking at the best stuff that happened during the course of the year and what spotify does is they give us wrapped obviously what you listen to but it also gives us publishers wrapped which sort of breaks down some interesting metrics about people who listen to our stuff yeah so in the case of the waveform podcast we've got some numbers 
and some shout outs to give. Yeah, it's always fun to look at. Um, it shows us all different countries and what listen time and charts and stuff like that. I think we talked about it last year on the podcast and it's just, yeah, it's fun. As a big thank you to everyone out there listening. Now on the, also just remember these are only Spotify numbers. This doesn't include right. Apple Podcasts. This doesn't include YouTube. We still appreciate all of you out there, but your platforms don't give us a fun little thing like this. <laughs> they and Spotify should. has just nailed the wrapped portion. They should. I tweeted should. that. I tweeted that. Spot, How, YouTube should make a wrapped that just tells you like which channels videos you watch the most yeah. minutes of. They they know. They've got to know. They've got to know. They've, they've got to know what ads you watch the most, what channels you've watched the most, oh, how long sure. you've watched them, and like how many people uh, who subscribe, how many people you're subscribed to that you didn't miss a video, like highest percent of watched videos during yeah. the year. Or and even for you as the creator, how many people of your audience have watched every single video that got put out. In a when year I see my like Spotify wrapped and it says, you're in the top 2% of listeners of Electric Guest, I want someone out there to be able to say, hey, look, according to my YouTube wrapped, I'm in the top 2% of MKBHD viewers. Yeah. I didn't miss a video. That would be sick. That'd YouTube, be really cool. rebrand, rewind. What would you name it? Oh, there it is. Ooh. Take back the rewind name. This is your chance. Build this feature. Okay. YouTube rewind. YouTube rewind. Like a shared you story kind of thing. You can't use rap. Spotify has that. Yeah. So call it rewind. There it is. Interesting. And and they can't make any arguments. So like it would be easy in Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that because you kind of have these easy shareable posts, but Spotify doesn't have any of that and they still manage to do this. Yeah. So YouTube oh, everyone, could easily do this. Yeah, everyone just screenshots it and it's like an Instagram story you tap through. We'll we'll give these shout outs. I'm gonna in a look second, up a but good trademark so we can just sell that to <laughs> Google before we No, uh, I think I think they gotta call it YouTube Rewind and they just gotta own it That's and take it point. back and tell us like what we watched this year. I was trying to think of like a Christmassy name for it that would just totally rip off wrapped, like YouTube oh. stocking stuff or No, whatever. no, no. They gotta they gotta own <laughs> Rewind it. Rewind for sure. All You're right, welcome. Let, let's look at a couple of cool things here. We have a bunch of slides. Adam grabbed just like a couple of the best ones here. I wanna react to them from the top. Okay. Also, so, wait, wait. Let's talk about wrapped uh, real quick, though. Was the UI design, like, horrible this year? Hasn't it always been horrible? It's never been great, but it felt, like, specifically bad this year. Oh. There, We were looking at... There were some things we couldn't even see. It would be, like, a oh. chart that would cover over the numbers that we oh, were Oh, that's on our side, though. That was for the creator okay, side. Okay, that's on our side. Yeah, but the, even the other side, like... The um the bar graphs that said like what genres you were listening to with the letters like really crunched up and cartoons. Off. It was bad. It was cartoony. It's not not great. Apparently the waveform show made some new friends in some new places and we got our first stream in fifty new countries this year, including Nigeria, Kenya, Ghana, Nepal, and Zambia. Oh, so none of those have none of those listened before? Oh wait, or? no, sorry. In, in fine print, <laughs> the UI oh, is oh, bad. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the UI is really bad. Uh, okay. These places loved you the most, Nigeria, Kenya, Ghana, Nepal, and Zambia. Okay. But yeah, 50 new countries. That's crazy because we have we looked last year and surprisingly, this always blows my mind, a lot of people around the world listen to this podcast. So 50 new ones in one year pretty sounds sick. awesome. That's I, This again goes back to YouTube, but I, when I look at YouTube analytics, you can really get super granular with like how many people from this country in this age on a mobile phone watched this one video and there'll be like two people from this one country. It'll be like a very small country Yeah. from from a random island country will have watched this video on a phone. I can see like the resolution of their phone. Like Google Analytics tells me everything. Fascinating stuff. Shout out. Um, yeah, and we also, this, this is just a little fun one that might be a tad humble brag, but in technology, the first day in 2021 that we made the top of a chart was January 1st. That's pretty sick. Pretty sick, right? That's pretty dope. And my favorite part is at the bottom, it says, we have a feeling this won't be the last, and I really hope it wasn't the last because <laughs> we had a lot of room to get there again. Charted but, on the first day. Yeah. Was there an episode live on that day? Probably not. No, I don't think it was even live that day, so that means we were uh, doing you guys pretty were, good. Yeah. You guys were killing it. Um, in its first week, listening peaked in India on Friday, which is days of release, so that's awesome. Your fans listen to it mostly at night, probably because of when we release the podcast is probably at night in, in India. In the middle of night, yeah. So shout out. I, I can say I'm not someone who listens to podcasts at night. I guess maybe yeah. my ride home if we're here late, but shout out India, y'all listening at night. That's some that's dedication. If you're listening to this or watching on YouTube, leave a comment when you consume this podcast. When and where you are. Morning? On the commute? Do you put us in the pocket? Earbuds? During a run? Let us know. 
Yeah. How are you how are you consuming Waveform? Let us I know. I do want to know. Actually, that would be cool if Spotify was a little better like YouTube, being yeah. able to get deep into those. It probably has it, just it's not as cheery and poor <laughs> UI to put it into this. Um yeah. and then after India, the US was next on Fridays. I'm a little confused by this slide, if I'm being honest. The UI. Ultimately, it was played in 105 countries. Shout out to every single one of those countries for listening to Waveform. And uh, we had some impressive growth numbers that it made a little bar graph out of. Uh, plus 38% followers on Spotify, plus 11% in hours listened versus last year, and plus 6% in streams. Those are all great positives. I'm glad there's no negatives. If there were, Spotify didn't show <laughs> us to them. Spotify didn't Shout show us the negatives. Spotify for not so, making us feel bad. Appreciate the, uh, the pat on the back there. Uh, we were also in the charts in eight countries for a total of 304 days. Okay. Big shout outs to the podcast. The podcast listeners are coming through on Spotify. They're coming through different countries. That means we were on a chart for almost every day of the year. Right. That's awesome. 25,055 fans listen to you more than any other podcast That's on Spotify. That's my favorite one. That's my favorite stat, but here's the funny part about that. I don't use Spotify to listen to podcasts. Okay. So my most listened to podcasts were random ones that I accidentally clicked once. No, no, no. You had one on there that I know you listened to on Spotify and that it was kind of a new thing we all learned this year, the Pod, Pod Quiz Weekly. Oh, because we listened I, to it a lot during our road trip. We, d I mean, I hope you've listened to it since that, then. But I think that made it my number one. I'm pretty <laughs> sure everyone in the studio had that on there wrapped because we all played it so much on yeah. the road trip and have played it again since. Yeah, um, so that's how Spotify... But yeah, I have like two or th uh, three or four other podcasts on there that I like how, clicked once. Uh, but yeah, shout out to the 25,055 people. I'm giving all of you credit for uh, listening to Waveform more than anything else. I mean, that's kind of neat because... Our numbers are usually in the like we have around two hundred thousand audio downloads, and then the YouTube channel is around fifty fifty thousand usually. So if you think about just on Spotify, twenty five thousand of that listen to us more than anyone else. That's not including Apple, not including YouTube. A good amount. That's crazy percentage. Appreciate you. I hope that means we got people into podcasting, and I hope people are listening to other podcasts because of us. That will nice. make me feel good. So if you don't, just tell me you did anyways. That'd be nice. <laughs> 1,825 fans spent their birthdays listening to you. Happy nice. birthday. Happy birthday. If you're listening to this episode on your birthday, happy birthday. And happy birthday. And 1826 then. And then 6,641 of you listened to most of our episodes. Not sure what that means. That's a very vague. Most could be over half. Mm -hmm. It could be almost everyone. But we put out an episode every week, so that's a lot of you guys who are Hanging on to every word, according to Spotify. Lastly, we released 2,861 minutes of content across 43 episodes, which is quite a few. Which also means they they wrapped their rap a little After earlier. 43 weeks. <laughs> yeah, because we thing. can literally gauge that. That's the thing. I was just thinking this this morning. If you really binge Christmas music right now, it won't show up on your Spotify yeah. wrapped ever because it already came out this year and then it starts the next year's wrapped in January, right? Yeah. So I feel like a lot of people would have Christmas music on their wrapped, but it doesn't count December. I had a sneaking suspicion because Red Taylor's version came out in the middle of November and it wasn't on my top 100 songs anywhere. And I definitely played a lot. Yes, and I know <laughs> there are a million other people who should have been in there, yeah. like listening to that, and it should have been on their raps, and it wasn't. So I had the suspicion. I'm glad we could verify it through our I just had to start a podcast to realize what uh, Rapt is doing. But yeah, 22,861 minutes of content. That's so a lot. what do you think we're getting to by the end? If that's 43 weeks... I'll do the math. Add another 60 minutes for what? Probably like six more weeks on time? Or no. Time is 52. I'm just seven. doing the math on the averages. We'll be at about 3,460 minutes total. Nice. It's a lot of minutes. Yeah. It's the, craziest, the craziest stat for me is when I look at how many watch hours of YouTube content there were on the channel in the year. Oh, so it'd be really? like how many hours of human life were spent- huh watching the videos how many brains were rotted uh, and no, it's it's always measured in like years wait Ooh, i'm gonna check it right now like i'm gonna check it right now if you were to take a random guess how many years of listening happened in 2021 how many years of human life were spent watching mkbhd videos in the last 365 days 
365 wouldn't include last year's PS5 video, which is just feels like a milestone. Um, 15 years? Do you have a guess, Adam? Uh, I'm going to go with 22 years. So the number I have, I have to do the math real quick, divided by 24. It is... <laughs> that face, please zoom in on that face. It is 2,051,091 years. Wait, we in the last 365 days? Yep. On our channel? Yep. 49 million watch hours, which divided by 24 is 2,051,000 Wait, can you do the watch days, hours? Sorry, days oh. <laughs> divided by 365. Uh, Dude, we should like, cut out my awful math the there. World. Yeah. <laughs> do not cut that out. Divided by, oh, I need it. Hold on. Our viewers have not seen the sun in 365 days. 5,619 years. Okay. It's, uh, it's sad that that seems so little now because I just thought it was... Two million? Plus five thousand years. That's crazy. What it, I guess fifteen, you guess twenty two. That's two thousand? No, no, no. Twenty two day er, twenty two years. years. Twenty two yeah. years. That's yeah, five thousand six hundred years. That's still wild. Do you wanna know how many the podcast is in years? Yeah. Ninety two point five years just for the podcast in twenty twenty one. First year as a video. That's I mean longer episodes. That's a lifetime. Somebody's life. An yeah. entire human life. Okay, I'm we, done. We sacrificed <laughs> a life for the podcast. That's uh, a little strong wording, but I sure. No problems with it. I, I think we ended on that then. Yeah. Let's <laughs> Thanks for listening to Waveform in 2021. We're not done yet, though. We've got a lot more year-end stuff. It's December. You already know how it goes. But if you haven't already subscribed on YouTube, make sure you do that. And of course, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Waveform is produced by Adam Molina. We are partnered with Vox Media, and our intro-outro music was created by Vane. So... More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.